So what's going on, guys? Um, Team Canada is just coming off winning the gold medal. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were very happy. Uh, the last couple of years, I guess you could say my interest has kind of dipped a bit because we haven't been as successful as, you know, like the John Tavares days, the Eberly days. Those were the good days. But Canada finally wins gold this year. They beat the Russians after losing 6 nothing, And everyone was like, can this team actually even compete with Russia on the same ice? And then we saw in the final game that Canada actually came back. Akil Thomas, the hero, and uh, they got the 4-3 win. Just, what were your guys' thoughts overall on, on Canada in the tournament? I know Lafreniere looked like an absolute monster. Any other guys, though, that really stood out for you guys? Hayden. Barrett Hayden. One of the better two-way players in the tournament, I thought, and uh, <clears throat> for Canada specifically, like, we were talking like a week ago, and they were comparing him to Eberly and Tavares and like great Canadian uh, world junior players. I don't have him past those guys, but I put him in that mix because he really took charge of this tournament. I thought he was our best player for sure. I think the goaltending, for the most part, it was rough to start, and they picked it up later on, so... Uh, the adjustment that the coach made there, I think, really helped them long term because it had stability in the knockout round. So I think the goaltending was a big plus. I think it was our depth. Yeah. All, all in all, we had great four lines going. And Quinton Byfield, the second overall pick, barely played. And uh, that's saying a lot. I know a lot of younger guys are making the team now. We knew back in the day, guys like Bowmeister, when they made it, it was a it was a big deal. And now you have a little more guys making it. Lafreniere. Uh, Drysdale, the defenseman, the youngest player on Team Canada, actually his draft stat, like he shot up the draft rankings after this tournament. I remember looking at it before he was ranked around 2021. 20, He's now ranked, I think, sixth or seventh. So the World Juniors does that to some prospects. Um, let's quickly talk about the draft, though, uh, going into uh, this year. You know, Lafreniere, he's the first pick. If it, he's the first pick. He, he just showed it in the World Juniors. Um, it's pretty funny. We have a guy named Tim Stitzel <laughs> or Tom Stitzel. It's Tim or Tom, and he's German. And uh, the last German that went in the top five, he became a pretty good player. Do you guys see maybe this guy competing with a guy like Dreisaitl as the best German-born player in the league, or do you think that's that's a stupid question to ask? I'm going to go with no for now. But he's coming off a 50-goal, 100-point season, so it's not exactly easy to live up to. But uh, it's awesome for Germany that um, I'm not going to say consistently, but, you know, every few years they get a couple of hotshot guys and puts them right back on the map, and hopefully more people notice uh, the prospects that are coming out of there. So good for him. Yeah, Germany hasn't really had a lot. Like, going back, they just had Christian Ehrhoff back in the day, and he was just only the really... Olaf yeah. Kolzig. Those old guys were the only Marcel's ones and then uh, now recently with Dreisaitl being like the king over there for hockey. But uh, Edmonton kind of ruined his development a little bit. When he first came in, they brought him on the team. He should have been sent down. They didn't. And then the World Junior team called and asked for him to come back. They didn't want to loan him out. Ended up taking a year off his contract. And then uh, they finally figured it out. Almost uh, tore him apart. But then the contract year came up and they were forced to pay like $10 million. So... If uh, a team is lucky enough to get this hotshot player out of Germany, take your time with developing because they're not like Canada and the U.S. and Russia where you know where you're getting right away. Take your time, make it a project for your team, and hopefully you can get another dry saddle out of it. Yeah, kind of like the Pedersen approach. You, you wait about a year, 
they kill the league, and then when they come up, they're superstars, and they've been groomed. And um, another guy that we also saw in the tournament, Lucas Raymond, I think he was fourth in scoring in the tournament. He looked like Sweden's best player. Um, he's looking like he could be a guy that could be in a kind of. He kind of reminds me like a like a Forsberg, where he has a lot to generate. He's a smart player. He can score. He can pass. He can hit too. He's not afraid to hit. Um, quickly, we've 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 mentioned Lafreniere. We know how great he is. Quinton Byfield, though, he's projected to go second, and I did not see a lot of him with Team Canada, and I'm not concerned. I know, like when you're a top five pick, you're gonna be well for the most part. There have been a few exceptions in this decade with Yakupov and a couple other busts. We could discuss that in a whole other video, but. Um, Lucas Raymond, I think he could be a great player. I think I think he could be great. But Byfield, I have no idea. I haven't seen a lot of him. I know he's playing for Sudbury in the OHL. Um, we all know that that league is one of the more competitive when you're getting drafted. Safe to say it's between the OHL and probably the Q or maybe the W. I'm not really sure. But do you guys expect Quinton Byfield to just come in and be that number one center uh, right away on a team like, a, I don't know, like an L.A. or an Ottawa because – for me, he's still very much an unknown, and I know we're in January and June is the draft, and there's still a lot of time. But what are you guys' thoughts on Quinton Byfield? Because I need to ask, because I still really have no idea. <laughs> I still think a little bit of development is probably necessary. As you mentioned L.A. Ottawa, <clears throat> picture that guy. Um, regardless of how good he is or how good he's supposed to be, just throwing him into the number one spot in the NHL on either of those teams, like it can't be the best situation. No. So. I see him projecting to being the player he's supposed to be, but I think regardless of where he goes, give him maybe another year in junior and see where he is from there. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him next year in the league. Maybe the next World Junior, he might make a statement that'll be his coming out tournament, but I think this might even affect his draft standing just a little bit when you see like the German player and then Sweden, like some of the players on their team. I think they're going to open up and see, okay, if we can get this guy at center maybe we trade him down and pick up another player we really like so i think it might be one that teams are looking at to trade if they get that pick or maybe take their time and develop it now the one the one guy i want to talk about quickly before we change is the goalie on russia he's projected to go in the first round right now he's projected to go in the top 10 right here on my he's projected to go ninth to the chicago blackhawks right now so if you are an NHL team in the top 10, are you actually going to take a gamble on a goaltender at this stage? And we all know that this is a league where it's high scoring and you usually don't get heart type dominance that we saw with Carey Price in 2004. You don't get seasons like that often. But if you're a team like Chicago or Montreal or even Buffalo, are you going to are you going to try and take a gamble there and uh, make a statement and take a goalie ninth overall? And we did see it last year, which was also very surprising. I don't know if I see it two years in a row just because we don't see it happen as often as probably we should. Like, goalies get shafted all the time because, like, everyone in junior is getting 100 points. So no shit, the goalie stats aren't going to be that good. But uh, I just want to quickly get away from that and say, like, for the World Junior Tournament, all the guys that you're bringing up, they're all going into the draft. This is a tournament that's usually dominated by 19-year-olds. So it really shows how special all these guys are. And uh, I like that for the Hawks because I'm trying to think of their future and I can't really um, 
I don't know who's going to be starting five, ten years from now, so that would be a pretty sweet option. Well, they have Corey Crawford, who's obviously on the tail end of his career, and then they have a guy that they just signed to only a one-year deal who was a Vesna finalist, Robin Leonard, last year. He's still in his 20s, right? I think he's 28 or 29. He's in his late 20s. He got drafted in 09, so yeah, he's around the same age as John Tavares, but how about you, Alina? What do you think with uh, Askarov? I think the only team that would consider that is if San Jose continues. And that era. So if I am an Ottawa fan, I am hype for this draft because they could potentially have two picks in the top five. And that is terrifying. That's like that's like Lakers stuff. That's like Brooklyn Nets. Like that's like NBA type vibes with two picks in the top five. That's just and we're Leaf fans, so that's very sad. <laughs> but I hope to God that Ottawa takes that goalie and he doesn't pan out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. I'm not trying to be the enemy here. I just don't like Ottawa. Um, this is it for them, though. This is the biggest draft in their fucking history. If they were to have two first-round picks, even if they're two top ten and they both fall, like, there's some serious talent here. They, for the situation they're in, this is monstrous for them. Again, like, even last year when they took the gamble, and you know how I feel about the trade, when they traded Mark Stone, the best winger they've ever had in the history. I don't – okay, well, obviously you had, you had Alfredson and Heater. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, man, Mark Stone just came in, and he was just changing the culture, and he was a plus 20 on a bottom five Ottawa team. Who the hell does that? And uh, – yeah, they get they get Brandstrom and everyone's like, oh yeah, don't worry, you know, we didn't lose the trade because we suck and we're in this rebuild. And now they literally, if they have two two in the top five, that that could easily speed up the process. Even with a guy like Duclair, who could even get thirty five goals this year, and I'm just looking at that and laughing because I never thought it would happen. But good for him, good for Duclair. Even another guy, Ryan Stroma. I was looking at his stats; he's at forty points. So, all-star or not? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Ottawa, they have to – They like like Pinello said, this is the most important draft for them in the history. If it's not for them, it's Detroit where Lafreniere is basically a lock. And Detroit has, what, seven, eight wins this year? They've been absolutely – They're right there. Like, <laughs> you think that Detroit – you think Buffalo over the years has been – has had terrible seasons. Detroit this year is going to go down as one of the worst. Like they're they're putting out Atlanta type seasons where just getting like forty eight points. Remember that year Philly when they when they tanked and they could have had Kane and they lost. The, they lost Weren't the, they in the fifties. They had points? they had like forty nine. God, I don't they know. Got how. <laughs> Who they then traded three years later for Luke Shen. <laughs> uh, the NHL's funny, but let's uh, let's let's get past this draft in Ottawa and let's think about more happy times because Austin Matthews has been absolutely tearing the league apart both um, seasons. And Alino, I'm going to put this one on you. To start this off because to me, this is absolutely absurd because the last two years he's played not over 65 games and he still has 30 goals. Just take us. What are your thoughts on this guy being one of the best even strength scorers I've ever seen? Coaching change. <laughs> what happened when he was under Mike Babcock? Put in in different situations. Asked probably too much of him. He probably bullied him off the ice. We don't. We'll never find out. Maybe it'll be a thirty for thirty one day on ESPN. 
they'll give us all the scoop. But uh, ever since Sheldon Keefe came in and changed up the lines and put Tavares, Matthews, Marner together and uh, Nylander, Marner and Matthews together, just encouraging playmaking, encouraging skill. And uh, that's their strengths right now. They're not like a team that goes in and hits and throws a body around and plays rough hockey. They're a skilled team that puts up a lot of goals, concedes a lot of goals. So uh, Matthews is just uh, benefiting from Shelton Keefe's system, and it's going to lead to him probably having the best uh, goal-scoring season of his career. It's, yeah, it's pretty much it. Since the coaching change, a lot of guys have really uh, turned a corner, and you know Matthews, he's, he's a streaky guy. So, yeah, this, this nice... Uh, last little three weeks has been very fun he's been torching the league and i don't really expect that pace to carry on to the end but he should be a 50 goal scorer and he'll do uh, exactly what we expect him to do you uh do you anticipate him to win the rocket richard at some point in his career absolutely yeah i think health is uh it's just going to be health is the factor like it is for most guys again like when you when we think about austin matthews and how important he's been to the Leafs culture and 30 goals he's making it look easy every single season I just need to ask if he doesn't win a Rocket Richard trophy in his career let's just say he never wins one because we all know the competition right now is for goal scoring is just it's I was looking at like people that for goal it's absurd McKinnon Eichel, Ovi quietly no one's really talked about Ovi the last two months he's been tearing it up Pasternak so there's a lot of competition that Matthews has and if he doesn't win a Rocket Richard in his career that will probably go down as one of the most odd statistics I mean this guy he's getting 30 goals in 55 games he's definitely changing the way even strength goals are looked at I mean I I used to look at even strength goals as you know, one of the more important statistics, you know, if you get if you lead the league in even strength goals, I see you as one of the most dominant players in the league. We saw guys like Mario Lemieux. They absolutely dominated that statistic for years. Yager dominated that statistic. And now a 23 year old, 22 year old Austin Matthews coming in the league. No one has more even strength goals than him since 2016. And guys, if I were to pull up the stat, it's not even close. So um, the question now I have to ask is. Can Austin Matthews be the most dominant player in the league with a guy like McKinnon and McDavid? Like, can he surpass them at some point? Is that a possibility? I'm going to go no on that. I think he's just the tier under. I put him with, like, Barkov and Pasternak and probably Eichel now. But, um, you know, they're all very young. You said he's just 22, 23 years old. There's still so much to work on. Uh, His defensive game's already pretty good, but, like, at times he'll disappear and, like, there's obviously a lot to grow on. His offensive game's already superb, so I think he'll win a rock in his career. I think he'll be one of the top guys going forward for the next 10, 15 years to help grow the game, but I don't think he'll ever pass Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, Connor McDavid is in a league of his own, I think. Uh, unless he's breaks his leg, hopefully it doesn't happen, like Steven Stamkos running into a post or and Dougie Mike Hamilton Klotz. yeah like I don't think he'll be at that level unfortunately but he's still in the discussion there of like top 10 in the league for sure do you ever see a guy like a Mitch Marner uh creeping up and maybe winning a scoring title over a McDavid or a McKinnon a lot of things would have to go right <laughs> but Mitch you know I'd, I'd probably put like points wise I'd probably put him with all those guys because 
the best playmaker on the team. Like guys Top like, five in the league. Guys yeah. like Tavares and Matthews are going to have 40 goals. Who do you think is playing a big part in that? So, yeah, given injury, I've said that like five times already, Mitch should be right there with them every year. Yeah, for sure. Playmaking uh, abilities there, for <laughs> sure. Just got to quickly talk about the defense this year, Norris tracking. It's been pretty close. We've had guys like Dougie Hamilton, Victor Hedman. Um, but for me, no one stands out more than the one guy I'm going to say, John Carlson. He's got 54 points in 47 games. He's over a point a game. No one has hit 100 points. The last person to do that. We weren't even born yet. Brian Leach, 1992. If he were to do it, is it safe to say this is one of the best defensive seasons you've ever seen from a defenseman and where does this guy rank in the all-time list if he gets 100 points i think john carlson he can can get 100 points this year and people will still view him as underrated just because i see him and i I view him as like a petrangelo he's kind of that two-way d that every uh he kind of plays in every situation he's not really the he'll get 50 every year but he's not an offensive guy but i I, similar to Matthews, he's not in that top tier. I think I have him just under there. He's a very good defenseman. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't, when I see him, I see like a good player, really good player, but I don't see him in the level like Burns of consistently having that 80 to 85-point year constantly. I think next year he might have a drop-off, but he's still going to be in the top of scoring for defensemen. Because we've seen, like I remember when we first did our pool way back, he had, what, 42 points in the first year we did it. And Pinello was like, oh, man, you have to watch this guy, John Carlson. You know, he can, he can get 55 points. The next year, he got 55 points. The year after that, he got 70 points. And so are you saying then that it's more about puck luck this year? You think it's just he's yeah. just everything's clicking for him? Because, yeah, man, 54 points in 46 as a defenseman. He has more points than Ovi. <laughs> and it's just it's funny to see, but um, I still think for me the, the for me I think the Norris winner is Roman Yossi. I think he should win it this year. When you look at complete game, we we said it in our fantasy D rankings all the way way back in like August or July that Roman Yossi or Roman Yossi or Victor Hedman are probably the hardest D to face on a nightly basis. And not only that, Roman Yossi has 45 and 48 games. And Nashville has been a train wreck. I don't know how, but they've been a train wreck this year. They haven't been successful at all. I was telling Pinello yesterday, they have four great centers down the middle. Benino on your fourth line is incredible. And I don't, I really don't know what's going on with them, but Roman Yossi's taking his game to another level this year. And I think he needs to win a Norris trophy. Little side question here for uh, Nashville. They made so many fucking like high-profile moves in the offseason. Do you think that messes with the chemistry after a while? Yeah, I think Matt Duchesne. I don't know. I don't know what what it's about with Matt Duchesne. I'm not trying. I'm not calling him out. I'm just saying every time he goes to a new team, there's yeah. always there's always something. I throw Granlin in there too because he's playing in their top nine. Oh, Grant Granlin. You have to love Granlin. I mean, he's a very unselfish guy. You could just tell he's a very you know I, I feel like he's a quiet guy he doesn't really say much but like Turris, Grandland, Duchesne they all come to this team with a specific role and they just haven't they haven't executed it at well at all even Forsberg this year I haven't heard his name that much Arvidsson is just he just came back from like a seven-week injury 
this team has a lot of uh, question marks this season. It's weird because everyone's been on their uh, everyone's been on Nashville's bandwagon since they went to the finals a few years ago. Everyone kind of views them as a top team in the league, even though they just kind of had that one run, and then it's been a decade of bounced in the first or second. I'm not trying to. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Me, I'm what I'm going to say, but. Do you think it could be the P.K. Subban trade that could have messed up the culture in Nashville? As weird as it sounds, because Subban's had an awful year in, in New Jersey, but we put up the, we brought up the stats for him in Nashville. He was good in Nashville. He had 60 points in Nashville. He had a career year in Nashville. Two years in Nashville. Two years, yeah. And I guess when you trade a guy like a Subban where he's you know the mouthpiece and he's Mr. Entertainment, Mr. Look at me – Maybe uh, maybe it screwed something up in the locker room. I don't know. What do you think? I'll you bring in Duchesne for eight million dollars. Johansson's there for like seven or eight million dollars. Turris, Granlin's contract. Granlin. So you have all these people making so much money and aren't producing. So then you're looking at the GM at the end of the day from the owner. And Nashville had a reputation of not really spending that limit. And now that they finally do, and the team's not producing, I think the GM's on the hot seat. As good as he is as a GM. He's been there probably since they started that team. He's been the only GM there. so David Poyle. If I'm the owner, I'm going to be like, this team doesn't start producing, start looking at other teams to work for because we're going to look at someone else. Well, I know it's definitely not the goaltending. That has not been an issue for Nashville for two decades. So, yeah, we're going to move on now. Um, we're going to go to the NBA, quickly talk about some injuries. It's unfortunate. Um, the Raps, wow. Uh, Norman Powell injured. Fred Van Fleet injured, Marcus Gasol injured, Pascal Siakam injured. That is just a huge, huge hole. <laughs> but the Raptors continue to prevail. Last night we saw them win in overtime. They grinded it out. Miles uh, Bridges, 6-7 from 3, dropped 26 points. Terrence Davis dropping a team-high 24 last night. What are your guys' thoughts on Terrence Davis? He stepped it up. Coach called him out on it. It was a little slacking. He needed that for his young career, and he bounced back. This is from the GM and the coach looking at that, and it's positive because it showed that the player uh, understands that he made the mistakes in the last game. He worked on very deep team. Terrence Davis is one of the first guys off the bench to really help the Raptors down the stretch, and it was late in the game, and he had two back-to-back threes. So it was at that moment, and I'm like, okay, this that was cool to see. He had a fun night. Um, struggling as of late. He hasn't been getting as many, I guess, touches as you'd expect. I, th- I would think that at this point with all the guys injured, but it's definitely, it hasn't been him. It's probably been Hollis Jefferson. And if it hasn't been Hollis Jefferson, it's been Serge Ibaka. Serge has been amazing. He's, uh, I think he's dropping career highs in points to maybe Miami keeps winning. Boston uh, actually lost last night to the Spurs. Kemba got ejected. Um, but we all know the Sixers. They have their they have their they have their wo- their woes. Position in the point, and it's going to be like a new team all over again. And the fact that they're winning without those guys, like Broids and Sir, if you can look at that team, Derrick Rose, if you were to become available, coming off the B from what deal is available, and it's not too crazy, I would consider it. So who's one guy then you would go after? Maybe like a just like a reserve center. Okay. Because. Uh, you need bigger bodies in the paint. Serge can't really do it all <laughs> right now. He's getting so you you're looking at what the a, a defensive center. Yeah, I think so. 
see, because I'm thinking more of like a around the lines of like a Covington where we're there. Hollis is good, but I, I think he's listed as a four originally. Like he's a power forward, I think, at heart. Um, Siakam, when he comes back, oh, he's going to eat up 37 minutes. Lowry's actually he's averaging 38.5 minutes a game. That's he's 33 years old. That's you shouldn't be doing that to the guy. <laughs> but okay, um, I do like what you said. I think Derrick Rose would be like that one piece you need, or maybe Jamal Crawford's not on a team. Free agent. Just maybe Good. do like a quick signing, Jamal Crawford. Uh, I don't know, but I, I really like the way the Raptors have they've stuck together as a team. Nick Nurse um, has really coached this team to perfection, if you think about it. I know they were saying yesterday um, that they sent Stanley Johnson down to the 905 for a conditioning stint. I really like that. Nick Nurse, he, uh, he's, he apparently, uh, he, he, he uh, what, what's the word? He, he, he took him aside and he said, listen, like, we know that you're an eighth overall pick. We know you have potential. You haven't really shown us the potential, but we'll send you down. And then uh, I think they've stuck with Brissett on the small forward. I think it was those two and Thomas played in the 905 game. Yeah. So they played three games in a row over the <laughs> over the weekend. Matt Thomas, to me, you love him. I'm not a big fan. I I, I don't like his shot selection. It's just dumb. The, the shots he takes are like J.R. Smith type. Where like I, I I saw highlights last night. I think he took two threes that were like fadeaway threes, and they were air balls or not even close. And I, and I saw a stat was I think it was four or six from three yesterday. So I guess the two that I watched were the ones he missed. So I don't know. So the I, way that I look at it is that it's a guy. He's a pro. He's been uh, he's been in the Euro, Euro League for a few years, and he knows what he's good at. So if he has the shot there, take it. Don't try to overhandle it. Don't try to do too much. We saw a few times yesterday, Patty McCaw, he had a good game. But the confidence, you know, maybe got a little ahead of himself and just didn't work out when he tried to do the sweet move. So Matty Thomas pull up from three every time. I mean, I don't really know. I, I don't have anything else really to say about the raps. Um, we could talk about the Jimmy Butler <laughs> and, and DJ Warren <laughs> incident yesterday. Jimmy Butler likes to stir the pot. But T.J. Warren started it. He went for the foul, and he just gr- kept grabbing his arm. And then Butler's like, you know what? I'm not having this. And he started blowing kisses at him. And then, of course, like every NBA player, after a fight, they take to social media. And um, he circles a date, March well, I think March 19th or something. Is this the new heated rivalry in the East, Pacers in the Heat? Because Dippo's coming back, and that's just going to be a treat to watch. What are your thoughts, uh, Alino, on Jimmy Butler's actions? I like it. It's uh, <laughs> show some heart. She's fired up about his team. I'd like to see that. Where was that though on uh, Minnesota? And, it was the uh, opposite. Yeah, it was the opposite. He was fired up to get out of there, and uh, he ended up fighting with his teammates. If he can control himself and not get too out of hand, and end up being what he's known for in the dressing room, killing teams, and uh, benefit his team, I like it. Good with it. Yeah, just stir it up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's quickly talk about the All-Star game. It's coming up. Voting is hilarious. You know, you have Taco Fall, Caruso, they're leading. But there's one guy that I want to talk about. And I I put it in the chat before we started the pod. James Harden. He had 36 points per game last year. That's historic. He's averaging 38.5 points per game this year. Is there... 
any way, any way that this guy can average more than 40 points per game by the end of a season, do you think it's a possibility this year with James Harden? Yes. Because I don't think he'll come close again. Oh. When I mean come, I don't mean like 38 to like 29. You just, <laughs> you just won't be at that. Like, this is insane. Who does this? I don't really have words. You said before he's averaging more points than minutes per game. Yeah. So, like, a stat like that, I don't see him consistently getting 40 going forward, but uh, should be a very similar number. He's making 40 the new 30 in the NBA. It's getting to that point now. It's bad. It's discuss- It's disturbing how good he is. Like last night, I watched the highlights. You would think Trey Young dominated that game, and he did. He had 40, 12, and 13 or something. But then James Harden's like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. I'm James Harden. I'll get 40, 10, and 10 every game if I have to. Without Russ, this guy has the ball 97% of the game. Step back threes, he's hitting on 38%, which is <laughs> absurd. Because step back threes... I think the league average is 28%, and he's at 38%. That's Is he a better scorer than Kevin Durant? He's in a system that benefits his production and the skills he offers. Kevin Durant, if he – if James Harden was in Kevin Durant's type of thing where you have to maneuver around different systems and be on the corner at one point of the game then be at the top of the – uh, three-point line in the other part, I don't think he would average 40 points. But uh, Durant, he's able to adapt throughout the game. I think Durant's just a touch better of a score. Durant's more efficient, and that's the only reason why I would take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harden, um, he's making history. Uh, I remember when I was seven or eight, or I don't know, maybe ten, Kobe Bryant that one year when he had like 30 point something points a game and I was just like I was sitting back I'm like 30 points a game that's that's godly <laughs> and now and now I'm seeing a guy drop 38.5 a game what like that it's just something that when we're older we're gonna look back at this and we're gonna laugh about it. we're gonna be like this guy James Harden was a monster and he would just come out and Giannis, everyone, we look at Giannis and we're like, yeah, this guy's the MVP. He's averaging like 30, 12, and 7. And then there's James Harden averaging 38, 9, and 8. So I love me some Giannis, but I also love me some Harden for MVP. Right now, he's my MVP candidate. He's averaging 38.5. He's probably the most unguardable guy in the league. I'm giving Harden the MVP right now. But uh, we could talk about this all day. I just want to quickly talk about all-star voting. I made my top five. I made my all-star votes. Pinello, if you had to tell me some all-stars that you want to see in the all-star game, just give me a few. I'll give you one. I'm going to stick with the theme here. Kyle Lowry. Beautiful. Because as he gets older, for some reason, he's getting better. <laughs> and he's playing more. And there's more talk about fucking low management. And he's playing every game. Yeah. And it's blowing my mind. Yeah. So I got Kyle Lowry in there 100%. I'm going Vince Carter. Because (laughs) in 2003, Michael Jordan's last year, Vince Carter, at the peak of his superpowers, 
decided, okay, I'm going to give my spot in the All-Star game to <coughs> Michael Jordan. And I think it's only right that one of these guys in the league give up their spot to Vince Carter. And I wanted to see which guy's ego will allow him to do it. I don't think it will be a Harden, Westbrook, LeBron, Kawhi, uh, basically anyone in the Western Conference. So I think the uh, commissioner's going to have to vote him in here. Give us what we want. I think similar to what happened last year, I want to see Carmelo Anthony be in the be in the All-Star game. I think that is something he deserves. He went from being an afterthought, um, a cancer, to I'm going to show these mother effers um, that I still have it. And he just came on Portland and just became a starting power forward, and he didn't look back. We saw the other night he torched the wraps with a vintage performance, dropped 28 points, the game-winning fader. There's actually no one um, that has more clutch shots made in their careers than Carmelo Anthony. So we talk about Kevin Durant. We talk about LeBron James as the most clutch guys. No one, uh, Everyone forgets about Melo. I think this guy should definitely be in the All-Star game, even though people will probably vote a Damian Lillard in over a Melo. But I, I want Carmelo in this, in this All-Star game. How about, how about some Derrick Rose? I was going to yeah. say that. <laughs> I like the idea. Because Detroit, you just said Blake Griffin, season-ending injury. Um, he's had a terrible season. I hope when he comes back, he he's the player that he was last year because he torched it last year, averaging 24-8-5. and five. Everyone forgets how good he was last year. Everyone now always washed up. Oh, his knee, this. Oh, he's shit. Like, come on. He's 30 years old. <laughs> I still think he can go another three years. Drummond's another guy. We don't know if he'll be on Detroit tomorrow because he's been in trade rumors geez, for like the last month. Um, so if there's one guy to represent Detroit, give it to the nice guy, Derek Rose. I really love him. I think, yeah, he deserves it. The work ethic has been there. And taken two years ago, the Cavs had Dwayne Wade, Derek Rose, LeBron James, and Isaiah Thomas all on the same team, and none of that worked out. So <laughs> F the Cavs. Have fun with Kevin Love. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, he's uh, looking like he wants out every other day. And did you hear the rumor about Kevin Love? Apparently, no GM wants him now because of the last couple altercations he's had with his GM. So, Kevin Love, sorry, bud. You screwed yourself over. You got to tough it out. <laughs> you got to tough it out in Cleveland. Um, yeah, let's move on to the ring. Um, Alino has some juicy info on the Royal Rumble. So, take it away, buddy. So, uh, I think it might be rated R this year. Oh, yes. Edge, surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. After 10 years almost out of the ring, about nine years, yeah. Since WrestleMania, he had his last match against Alberto <laughs> Del Rio. With Brodus Clay in Del Rio's corner. Woo! In the opening match of uh, one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. The Miz main evented. Beat John Cena. Yeah, so Edge could be making a comeback. Did you ever think this day would come? No. That we'd be talking about it, at least? Um, no. <laughs> uh, there's some things you talk about for fun and, you know, just to joke around. Like, if I was with Pinello and be like, oh, yeah, it'd be fun to see Edge come back and win the Rumble and win the belt. and th Like, that's the kid in me saying that. So now that we're actually talking about it, we have our own podcast and we're discussing Edge potentially coming back nine years after retiring and mind you he is a hall of famer now his legacy was so great that they threw him right in the hall of fame right away very much deserving i don't want to see him come back 
and I, and the reason being I'm 24 years old. I'm going to be 25 soon. And um, he's been gone for nine years, and I've accepted the fact that he's hung up his boots, and that's it. I remember at SummerSlam when he was on the pre-show, and he speared – who did he spear again? Elias. When he speared Elias, I looked at this guy, and I was so surprised. I'm like, this guy just speared someone. <laughs> he could do that? So the fact that he's rumored to come back in the Rumble and uh, take a few bumps and – you know, hopefully go over the top rope safely. I hope it's I hope it's a it's a definite green light because I don't want him to get injured and potentially be in a wheelchair. But um, this is where you know you get in the phase where nostalgia. It actually it's a it takes a it's a big toll in WWE. And for this Rumble, if it were to happen, I'd be very surprised. But another part of me says I don't want it. Oh, it'd be fucking awesome. It's the Royal Rumble. I just want to hear that theme and then, yeah, and then throw 12 spears and then safely over the top, like you said. So, yeah, it would be crazy for sure. I would love to see that. I still don't know why Christian doesn't get the treatment that Edge has gotten. I mean, I know I know Christian was never the main eventer that Edge was, but Christian just kind of end, like, just kind of ended. His career just ended. The concussion. And no one... No one. Knew, I remember after the elimination chamber. Remember 2014 when he got when he got eliminated. After that, that was kind of it. He wasn't featured on television. Nothing. Came back when the IC title lost it. Disappeared again. Is this what's it, what's his deal? Like, do you remember the chamber when he when he was in it? If, uh, I remember. I think it was Chiselli. He's like, hey man, watch for Christian. He could win the title. I look. I'm like, no man, he's not winning. For he's not winning. he's not winning the title. So, I don't understand why Christian can't be a surprise entrant if Edges. So. I would love to see an ENC reunion. That would that would make my childhood dream come true. I think that that's been the topic for probably since the start of the decade. Yeah. Like why doesn't Christian get as much love as he should? And I think the three of us specifically talk about it all the time with Christian. The well, guy's in hall. The guy's an eventual Hall of Famer. Look at look <laughs> at look at his 2011 year, and just prove prove to me that he isn't like that. To me, proves that he is a great main eventer. That 2011 alone. Gave him the ball for a little bit. Him and Orton did some magic. And you know why he got the ball? Because Edge had to retire. Yeah. That's basically the only reason why. And he just went full out with that. But, yeah, I hope Edge, um, Lord willing, he doesn't get injured. Like this guy said, it would be fucking awesome. You know, um, he's my favorite ever. And uh, when the Royal Rumble Day comes, best believe I will be rocking that rated R shirt for, for sure, 100%. Um, He's not winning the Rumble. We know that. Um, thinking of any Royal Rumble winners this year, I really have no idea. Um, we could talk about that now, I guess. Uh, Alino, do you do you have any source? Do you have any any uh, info on any potential Royal Rumble winners? I know we have always the Roman Reigns uh, predictable outcome, but any others? I have unfortunately, I think Roman. It's uh, safe to say he'll probably win the match. Oh pains me to say it <laughs> what if seth wins again <laughs> oh. <laughs> who does he challenge who cares he's just <laughs> oh it gets God. to the point where there's roman reigns and there's seth rollins and there's roman reigns 2015 and there's seth rollins 2019 which one do you hate more oh 15 yeah 15 so everyone hates roman more but the more that I watch this Seth Rollins just go through everybody, I, I 
I have to just you can't tell me that Seth Rollins is not the new Roman. You can't tell me. Roman Reigns has not done anything the last year. And Seth Rollins has won everything. Yeah. Come on. He's won everything. He's beat Lesnar twice in a year. No one, not even The Undertaker, can say that in his career. So Seth Rollins, to me right now, I think they need to take a break with him. So if Seth Rollins were to win the Rumble, that's backlash. That would get backlash. That would be so funny. It would be funny, but that would just get, I think, way too much backlash. And there's been so much backlash over the years. Just just have a, a happy ending. Like we saw with Shinsuke when he won. I guess when Randy won, it was kind of like... He eliminated Roman. Uh, so we why. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Seth winning last year was... It was supposed to happen. It was yeah. supposed to ha- So I don't want to see a predictable R- Roman win this year because I feel like that would actually put him back in the position he was in in 2015. And I don't think that would work out for him because I lo- I've loved what Roman's done the last like year. Just kind of quietly being sub... Sub-main event? Would you say he's like sub-main event? I don't know. He's not main event, but he's sub-main event. But Baron Corbin should win the Royal Rumble for me. I think I think if there's one heel that needs, you know, that elevation, it's either Drew on Raw or it's Baron on SmackDown. I wouldn't mind a Corbin win. Would that be a surprise win? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll throw another one there. Braun Strowman. No. Because what no. the hell are we doing with him? So for me, for me, that is probably the biggest surprise. Yeah, if Braun were to win the Rumble, I think I'd look at you and be like, "Now they're dropping. The, they're gonna go now in 2020 when they should have <laughs> in 2017." All right, do it. You can reinvigorate that monster he was supposed to be instead of clapping to the fucking fans and running around the ring all night. Oh, That's a joke. Maybe like a McIntyre, or I can honestly, I can see Roman being the number one choice, but like my heart still says Drew. Just because his story of coming back and having the nice first year with Dolph and then doing absolutely nothing the next year after. And this would be a nice way to kind of bring him up again and show him that he's a, he is a main event guy. Well, he has been winning handicap matches, yeah. like dominantly, like just killing them. <laughs> like he just killed the, the former tag champs, Kurt well, Hawkins and Zack Ryder. But what do the tag champions mean? Ah, nothing, I know. <laughs> Especially me. I know. Uh, Drew McIntyre, though, is a guy I look at, and he's a big what if. Yeah. Just like Braun Strowman, a big what if. What if he wins the Rumble, then what? Like Braun Strowman, what if he wins the Rumble? Well, does he face Lesnar? I don't want to see that. If I want, if I, if that were to happen, do either a Hell in the Cell or do a no DQ and just tear the fucking house down. Another guy that this guy keeps bringing up is Cain Velasquez. I don't want this guy to sniff. I don't want this guy to sniff a WWE title match at WrestleMania. I think it's unfortunately happening, though. He's going to probably eliminate Brock. He'll come in at, like, 15, throw him out, and that sets up the title match. I don't even know what this whole Royal Rumble is about because Brock says he's entering number one. Is the belt on the line? Is it not? No, he's just in it for fun. He wants to throw guys out. <laughs> I just like the only thing I like Brock being in it is because you get these interactions with like guys from NXT, SmackDown. That with his contract, you don't really see any of these matches. This is the finally the time. Brock Lesnar number one, maybe a number five. Rusev number seven, eight. Put the big man Bobby Lashley. Let these two guys go at it, and then Brock throw him over. I do like Lesnar going number one, and the reason being. 
<laughs> I never thought it would happen ever in my life. Just like when he won the money in the bank in the <laughs> Brock party. That was one of the – that's probably one of the most sold shirts he's ever had. I guarantee it. Brock party. Like, come on. Suplex City, Brock party. He's keeping it fresh. You know, with his creative. And uh, he knows. I feel like if they were to go with Drew to, like, win the Rumble and then they have him face Brock – I feel like – I don't know why you guys, like, call me crazy. I feel like Brock wouldn't take the loss. I feel like he would beat Drew McIntyre. It's not crazy at all. When does he take the loss? Well, <laughs> Seth Rollins, that's basically it. And cool. that's why everyone's cool. starting to hate Seth. Everyone's half Seth, Seth, he sucks. Oh, my God, what the hell? Carried the company for a year. <laughs> for, like, a year and a half, yeah. But that's not the point. You know, he's with AOP now. Um, <laughs> Always needs a crew. With AOP, though, here's another scenario. Since Roman's in this match, what if uh, none of them win? And at WrestleMania, you do AOP and Seth versus Roman and the Usos. Three on three, Shield versus New Shield. I could see that. I feel like that would be an emergency type thing where it's like, oh, fuck, we need everyone on the card. Put them all three, all six together. There it is. Who's doing nothing. I think at that point, I would just do Roman versus Seth in a one-on-one-on-one. Yeah, because that's never happened at Mania. And I feel like if they gave them like 20 minutes... They would outperform their Money in the Bank match at, in 2016. They've been uh, really fun to watch recently. They always are, but now the last month, more than ever. What about Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe? What damage do you think they'll do? I feel like um, they're, this is just an experiment. I think at the end of the day, you're going to see Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens turn heel in like a month, I think. I don't see them being faced for the long, the long haul. Maybe not... Maybe Kevin Owens could be the, the the top face on Raw, but no, I don't see Samoa Joe being a, a face very long. For the Rumble, though, do you have them, like, in the mix or? To win? Sure. Um, definitely not Samoa Joe. Uh, uh, I'd like to see Joe win it. Joe, if he were to win it, it would stun me. And, again, like, when Sheamus won in 2012, I was like, wow, that's great. That's great. Um, I think that's the reaction I would get if Samoa Joe were to win, but – yeah, too good to be true. I don't see that happening. But Kevin Joe, Owens, yeah, he's uh, he's one of my favorites. Joe, like I've been picturing Joe as a babyface and seeing him the last little while. He like he's he's fucking awesome. He's like this badass guy that just chokes you out. I'm like, you, the fans are loving it. You could roll with this, like. But they won't on. because it's Brock. It is Brock. unless he eliminates Brock, sets up a match at Elimination Chamber, and Kane Velasquez inserts himself in the title match at WrestleMania. I think it's gone to that point now where any winner, I just kind of play it, play it down because Brock's the champion. Yeah. And that's unfortunate, but it's reality. Where it's like, oh, yeah, Drew, <laughs> Drew could win the Rumble, and oh, my God, he's going to have a transcendent year. And then WrestleMania comes, and he loses. And <laughs> Like, you could even say the same about Andrade. Like, I've been saying for years, this guy should be in the WWE title picture, as soon as he got called up, this guy's a friggin' um, he's amazing, and then bam, nothing. And then, oh, yeah, you win the U.S. title? You Oh, you lost it? Oh, okay, you'll win it again. And then you might split up with, uh, with Zelina. Oh, okay. Like, there's just a lot of – when you have The Fiend and Brock Lesnar as your two champs, <laughs> they put themselves in a hole, man. Like, I don't know who will dethrone The Fiend. I want it to be Daniel Bryan, but I know it's going to be Roman Reigns. I know it's going to be Roman Reigns. And the same thing with Brock Lesnar. At the end of the day, I feel like the only guy that can beat him is either Seth Rollins 
Okay. <laughs> it's either Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns because that's what we've seen. Because, like, what? You're going to tell me now that if Kevin Owens were to win the Royal Rumble, you'd have hit a guy of his stature beat a Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? There's no way. There's no way that Vince McMahon is in the back and looking at Kevin Owens, yeah, you're going to dethrone Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania. There is no way I am seeing that. And I love these guys. And I just, you know, like, this is just the mindset I've gone into because kind of the rumble every year though there's always like 10 15 guys you're like oh yeah okay maybe and then there's one or two they're like oh, okay it's gonna be him though <laughs> but that's where i want that to stop it's not i don't going to. <laughs> i know but i want it to stop like roman reigns being a finalist seven years or i don't know i think it's been every year yeah <laughs> like 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 six of the last seven rumbles cut the shit surprise it someone throw him out early and that's it like, like that's uh, what that's where I'm at. You remember Kurt Angle in the 05 Rumble when he fucking suplexed everyone and then Sean just kicked him out? <laughs> that was one of my favorite Rumble moments ever. I want to see more of that. Yeah, like Someone I, get I want to see Roman like go on a tear and just have like Corbin throw him out. And it's like beautiful. Just laugh at you him. You know what? I feel like they would do it with Joe if anyone have him choke everyone out and then and then the good guy come and kick his ass. Yeah, uh I feel like it wouldn't be Roman, though, that would get the spot. It's obviously it'd be like a Strowman. You come in. Oh, yeah, Strowman. Oh, yeah, I'm going to power slam five guys and then turn around and Dolph Ziggler super kick out. And then 12 guys help throw him out over. <laughs> I just, I, I, like another guy, Royal Rumble time, you always got to love Dolph Ziggler. He's a guy that every time the Royal Rumble comes around, oh, wait, his name isn't even in the Rumble, is he? Oh, and then he comes out. And then you get the probably one of the biggest pops of the night. Last year, for example, this guy's putting on Twitter, yeah, I'm not in the Rumble. I have my I have my mic, uh, my comedy thing, and then he comes out at 28, and I look at this guy, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I want to see him win the Rumble, but he, he won't. He never will. How about a guy like The Miz? Can you see it? What would you do? What would you do if Daniel Bryan won the match and The Miz wins the Rumble? I swear to God we had this exact same conversation. We did last year. Yeah. Last year. And it would still work today. Yeah. (laughs) And it's crazy because now The Miz is a heel and Daniel Bryan's a face. Whereas last year, The Miz was a face. Daniel Bryan was a heel. They're both unreal. They make everything work. How about the Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan match? You guys excited for that? I'm not really. (laughs) I don't want to downgrade the feud because remember what we saw at Royal Rumble 2014. That match was tremendous. Um do you guys see maybe Daniel Bryan inserting himself in the Rumble? Yeah. I think after he loses, he'll be in the main. Like, if it's a main event, I can see him being in the match. It depends when they have this match. Maybe oh, it's definitely main event. I think yeah. it's main eventing if Brock's starting it. I think yeah, it's main event. For eventing. sure. I think it's main event. Yeah, but, we usually see it. And they lose the title match and then just go into the Rumble. Yeah, Roman, th- <laughs> yeah, Roman 30. It's usually the case. Someone does it every year, so hopefully it's I just Brian. hope the lights are on when the Fiends match is on because I want to see what's going on in the ring. I don't want that stupid red light. Oh, it should be blue now because of the belt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I don't really know. I think there's one uh, – if there's one Royal Rumble winner you want to see this year to conclude this episode, who is it? For me, it's Finn Balor because this is the perfect timing where you have the Fiend versus the, 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 Fiend versus the Demon. I think this is just perfect timing. Just one? Anyone who I want? Anyone. Kevin Owens. Okay. Yep. Samoa Joe, I want to see it. 
like in my heart, like I want Finn to win the most, but man, just I want to see Dolph Ziggler, man, get his moment, get something. It's too good to be true, though. AJ Styles is in the Royal Rumble, first time in a while. He's always a champ at the Royal Rumble. Now he's in the match. First How about time. Sami Zayn? Oh. <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura, the artist. Probably Sheamus. I heard he might be facing uh, Braun Strowman though. Okay, so for the for the for the IC title, that's what I heard. Oh yeah, okay. (laughs) He's been IC champ for a long time. Good. Has he defended his his uh his belt at all? Probably at a house show. Yeah, that new title they got. Because man, I don't. Let him break some records. Just keep it on him. (laughs) Yeah, like the Dean Ambrose run. With the U.S. title? Yeah, that was – I'm sorry. That was one of the worst U.S. title runs I've ever seen. You look back on history and he's like third all time yeah. with this. It's like, man, you were a part of the shield and you rarely defended it. Rarely. They have it around his waist. You look at him and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's champ. <laughs> yeah, that's prom. where I'm at with Shinsuke. Like I remember I, I tuned in and I saw him as like the, with the new belt. I'm like, well, yeah, you're the IC champion. I forgot about that. Maybe you should give it to like a Corbin. Or something, because Shinsuke. You see Matt Riddle being in this Royal Rumble and Brock's in the ring. Oh. And Goldberg comes out. No, you ruined it at the end. Those three together (laughs) attacking Matt Riddle. I could easily see Matt Riddle being number two now, (laughs) just because you said that. Number two. Bruh. Oh. It's got a, if it's not like a joke, you know when they do that sometimes? Yeah. Joke number two. It's got to be someone big. Dio Madden, too, because you've been on Twitter saying oh he wants to my. beat up Brock from beating him up on commentary. What would you do man. if number two is... Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my! And then he gets thrown out right away. Fuck you, John. Get out of here. I just, <laughs> I'm going with Riddle. I can easily yeah. see that. Yeah, I, th- I, think it, I think that would be awesome. Keith Lee, I think, will be in this match. Is another name. I think he actually might get the biggest pop of the night when yeah. he enters the, the match because at Survivor Series, holy shit. That's awesome stuff. Holy shit, man. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll give a little more um, Royal Rumble, I guess, prediction video. Um, we'll talk more about the Leafs and Raps next week. Uh, stay tuned.